As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language, and we're here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I am your host, as always, Steve Dewald. I am joined by my co-host Brian Wilcox. Brian, the Blazers are winning, and I don't know. Maybe we'll get into it. I'm not. I, I like. I'm always nice to see him win, but. Is it though? <laughs> so, but before we get it, get to that, uh, Brian, how are you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm better than you. Not, no, uh, oh. not the Dallas. No offense to our yep. listeners from the you Dallas know, out there. It's the gem of the gorge. No one says, but, um, yeah, I'm out here doing a little work for my day job. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a different, just a little, I mean, it's a little taste of home. I mean, you're definitely in Eastern Oregon. So That's right. anyway, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule <laughs> you out there know? to talk to me tonight. I, I'm like by I'm like across the street from the the Burgerville that was uh, poisoned by the Rajneeshis. Uh, if you're familiar with Wild Wild Country, Ooh. so uh, you know a little bit a little bit of history. I thought that was like I'm a pretty taco sure it was time, a Burgerville. Man, was it a taco time? Am I wrong? Is my whole is it all just a facade? But anyway. We might need Perry to do a little yeah. fact check. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, edit. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Anyway, anyway, the Blazers are are complete. They've completed their uh, their long road trip, their six game road trip, uh, four and two. Uh, a result I kind of didn't see coming, um, and and really just some more solid play from Anthony Simons. But you know, Yusuf Nurkic has really dialed it in these last few games. Really, a lot of production, uh, getting it done in the post. I mean, guys gobbling up rebounds in that road trip. He had a 22 rebound game against the Magic. He's had you know five straight double doubles. The only time he didn't get 10 rebounds on that whole road trip was against Denver in a blowout. Um, he's just been playing lights out. I mean, 62 percent from the uh, from the free throw line, which still isn't great, but. You know, right at fifty percent from the field goal on his field goals right now, and averaging seventeen point two points per game. So really, just just really turned it around after kind of a slow start to the year. Is certainly what it appears like. What Brian? What have you seen from Nurk? What have you seen from this team in the last six games? 
we've hinted at it with NERC about contract year NERC maybe showing up just mm-hmm. you know a little ways into the season. I think he's officially here. Uh, looks invigorated. Kind of harks back to some older. You know, when he first got on the team, change of scenery, guy looked refreshed, ready to go. I don't know if maybe just the lineup shakeups or something have, have kind of empowered him to feel like he can go out there and, and be a huge difference maker from this team. But it seems to seems like with him, he's it's, it's always so mental, right? And whatever's been going on really this month to kind of kick him in the ass, with uh, it strangely coincides with, you know, Lillard going out. It's very strange, but... Um, it's been good. It's been fun to watch. I personally enjoy a healthy, yeah. engaged Nurk gobbling up boards. And, uh, yeah, I, I've been really impressed with his ability to finish inside, too. I think he's finishing inside. Yeah, well and really, I mean, just kind of put it like, – like you said, you know, we joke a lot about the contract year Nurk stuff and talk about it a lot. But really, at the end of the day, it really is putting him in position to, to better – his career, his standing going into, you know, contract negotiations this summer. So it's nice. It's always nice to see, you know, players win at the right time or start producing at the right time. Um, so it, all overall, a good story trending in the right direction. Um, you know, we were talking tanking on this episode, uh, on this show a couple, couple of weeks ago. And, you know, <laughs> the Blazers have really uh, turned it on there. They're now have two games of separation uh, over the Pelicans in, in the battle to, get into that play-in field still a long way to go to get out of the play-in field but they're certainly trending in that direction um before we talk about whether or not we're excited about this team winning and avoiding tanking let's talk about a couple things that m- this team is doing that might be sustainable might might lead to more wins especially you know if Damian Lillard does come back this season or or you know if he doesn't does this team have a a winning recipe somewhere in some of these results. So Brian, what have you seen on the floor as a team in these last few games that, that stood out to you? The execution defensively is leaps and bounds ahead of where it was earlier. I think by no means is this a perfect system or, or, you know, hundred percent suited for this roster, but last 10 games at 13th in defensive rating, um, still 29th on the year, which just shows you how, poorly that went there for a while but um to me they're just playing and not reacting it's kind of the same story I I think a lot of credit goes to Nurk there um you know even though they're trotting out a pretty shallow lineup with Zeller out and Nance missing time they're really not getting killed in the paint um and they're really not getting killed on the boards and I think that goes to you know you have to credit Nurk for that well and his time on the floor and also some of the wings and even the guards pitching a little bit on yeah on you that you end. have a complement of players here that when they're healthy um are playing defense across the board you have anthony simons at the point of attack uh robert covington we've talked a lot about on the show is in his comfort zone and yusuf nurkic just seems to turn the corner on what the scheme asks him to do and, and it, it's shown in the defensive results, mainly because the Blazers, since the first of the year, are middle of the pack, like exact middle, number 15 in offensive rating since the start of this year. And they've kind of crept into that Goldilocks zone that we talked about at the very beginning of the season on defense. They're, you know, right in the middle of the pack, mm-hmm. outside of the bottom 10 since the new year started. Like I said, it was so bad at the beginning. You know, they, they're still – on the season, very low defensive rating, but it does appear they're trending in the right direction. 
as far as offense goes, what kind of stood out for me, and I wonder if it is sustainable, if it's just a case of really hot shooting, but you also have like a complement of players that are, you know, this is where they, you know, butter their bread is, is lighten up the three point ball. Um, the Blazers are mm-hmm. tied for second for most three points made, uh, three pointers made per game since the start of the year, um, this new year. And, uh, they're number two in accuracy. So they're, they're making a bunch and they're super accurate in the process. It's not like they're just heaving a bunch. Um, you know, they're pretty far down the list when you look at overall attempts, but they're making a bunch and they're, mm-hmm. they're connecting on the shots they do take. Um, now, is that completely sustainable? Who knows, but it's certainly a recipe for regular season success. Um, and really unsurprisingly, guy we've talked about a bunch Anthony Simons is really welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like Forge FX can help meet the demand for skilled workers anywhere you go look there's going to be a shortage of welders VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career the beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Driving that three point uh, accuracy for this team right now. And I, I think we'd be remiss. I mean, we have to talk about Ann yeah. every pod and just how he continues to impress. And, you know, the guy's doing a pretty damn good mm-hmm. Damien impression. Obviously, there's no replacement for Damien Lillard, but for a young guy getting his first real taste of starting minutes over an extended period of time. He's truly, you know, mm-hmm. blowing the doors off for as far as where my expectations were for yeah. him in a sustained role. So I guess we'll get into kind of the topic that's kind of just been itching at us here as far as, you know, yeah, this team finds a way to do exactly what you don't want it to do a lot of the time. <laughs> and like, it's weird because um, <laughs> I think that's just being a sports fan and being someone who, you know, being someone who really cares about their team, but this team is winning. And I don't really get the impression that this is a team that has solved some of the problems that have led to first round exits in the postseason. Um, so, you know, the Blazers are winning. The, now it's looking like maybe that first round pick does go to the Bulls this year. They get out of the lottery conversation, um, certainly trending in that direction. Um, I I just am really having a hard time getting excited about this team like clinging to a you know the play in field. Um I would much rather see a meaningful reset, um, especially with Lillard out. Like like we talked about, the table is set for this team to really go out and, and get a, a significant young player, significant asset in this draft, um and, and really retool its roster going into this this next season with Lillard you know, being fully healthy. Um, it's just, it, I don't know. Brian, what, what's your take on it? I, I think you, you summed it up better with overall picture when we were talking before the show. I don't know, man. It's just frustrating, right? I mean, you want your team to win, of course, but I want to see this team win sustainably and sustainably get out of the first round. And in order to do that, we need more talent. And as we've beat to death, the best route to get more talent was to suck this year. And, of course, this team, <laughs> just as soon as I've wrapped my head around tanking and, you know, kind of 
had, had refra- reframed my expectations for the season, decided to go off, you know, even that four and two road trip was extremely impressive. Mm-hmm. I did not see that coming. Um, I don't know, man. It's just, we got to get over the hump as a franchise and it's just groundhog mm-hmm. day. Once again, here's the, sh- here's the crap start with a bad defense. And now, you know, you, you project forward and this team's overachieving with who's on the floor and they're looking at via tankathon.com, the third easiest schedule moving forward. So it's like, here we go again. It's going to be a late season push. And while like any other fan, you know, once we, if, if we can cling to that plan spot or that, that low level playoff spot, I'll be, I'll be rooting my ass off for this team to win. There's still a bit of me that's kind of frustrated knowing this could have been a huge opportunity to propel this franchise forward, moving down the next one to you know, yeah, five it's, years. <laughs> it's, it's hard when you're looking at the big picture and, you know, we're both, you know, longtime fans of this team. We're in it for the long haul. We want this team to be a legitimate contender. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, everything can drastically change as we head to the trade deadline, which there's still a lot of, you know, rumors, reports surrounding this Blazers team. It certainly seems like they're, they're an active team going into this deadline. And, and I think that's just naturally because you have expiring contracts like Yusuf Nurkic and Robert Covington, who may or may not fit into Portland's long-term mm-hmm. plan, but also they've been linked to a couple of the hottest names on the market. Um, this is a, the Blazers are a team that is continually brought up in the Jeremy Grant discussions, um, along with half of the NBA, I guess. So, like, I mean, he is he is exactly. this year's Norman yeah. Powell. I would say it, it's safe to say it's probably a dozen suitors, if not more. Um, but we did get a new name kind of brought up, someone that we've you know thought about as Blazer fans for a while is is Jalen Brown, uh, talented. Celtics wing, a very smart cerebral player, um, does not really have any one thing that's, you know, big time wows you other than, you know, he's got size at a position of need and he is a very smart basketball player and has a lot of talent. Um, obviously it would be, he'd be a nice fit for this team. Um, and then obviously Miles Turner is, is still being brought up in, in, in discussions, but you know, his contract situation does loom over this whole discussion as far as what Portland would give up to get him. And he would only have really one year to play with Damian Lillard before we're talking about uh, contract negotiations. So, Brian, what do you make uh, of the trade, the trade stove, the, the market that's bubbling as we head into next month's deadline? Yeah, man, Jeremy Grant. Every time you turn around, there's a new new report that a new team's interested. I think that'll just drive his price up. We've detailed some of the pros and cons with chasing him, right? And so, um, I don't know. You, you do wonder about the accuracy of this stuff and whether his agent's just the best hype man in the – you know, he's, he went to the old <laughs> Shea school of hype and, and is able to get, get his guy involved in everything. But you would think that that drive up the price. I think that'll make it tough for Portland to get involved. Certainly Turner's injury issue is tough. You know, I, I was fairly adamant that what's – is he really an upgrade over Nurkic once you really look at their ages and, and contract situation? The Jalen Brown thing, man, I mean, he's – to me, he's still a pipe dream just because I think that he's mm-hmm. such a valuable player in this league that I don't know if we have the horses to get it done without moving Lillard, especially mm-hmm. with our pick situation. Um I don't know. I, you know, I, I still, I keep looking back at how we can 
maneuver a little, get a little more flexibility and maybe yeah. get a first round pick back, start, start getting those conversations rolling. And what'd you make of the rumors around Covington and Ingles? Yeah. That the Jazz might have a little interest you know, in a Roco. I'm, it's kind of weird. I never thought of it before, but like Robert Covington just strikes me as like a perfect jazz player. Like, a, and mm-hmm. I, it'd be really interesting to see what he could do in a Quinn Snyder system and how Quinn Snyder would utilize him. Um, I also really like Joe Ingles. I've always liked Joe Ingles as a player. I mean, he's not flashy, but just, you know, kind of like the Jalen Brown thing, a very smart basketball player, comfortable with the ball in his hand. You could run him as a secondary creator. Um, you know, I I would imagine that that trade talk will heat up. I, I don't think – I can't imagine Robert Covington being any team's top target. That includes the Jazz. So as some mm-hmm. of these teams miss out on the player they really want, I think that's where you're going to see potentially the Robert Covington discussions heat up, uh, Larry Nance potentially, even though he's hurt, and, and then also Yusuf Nurkic. So – I think those are. I think the Blazers' action here is going to come really close to the trade deadline, which we've seen this team under Olshay usually get the deal done a little bit before the trade deadline and avoid you know some of that craziness. I mean, yes, they did the Norm Powell deal last year, but right. typically those deal like the Rodney Hood deal that's all done just a little bit before the real craziness starts. I don't think that's going to be the recipe this year if they do make a move. I think it's going to be very close to the deadline. Yeah, down on the wire where, to your point, might be second or even yeah. third, option, yeah. depending on the team yeah. and how aggressive they're being. Um, so. Yeah, those are, those are, that is a trade that kind of piques my interest, though, just with the ability. You don't shed any salary, which I know is a priority for – well, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, but I'm assuming yeah. it's a priority with, with uh, where the team sits cap-wise. But if you recoup a pick there, I think you certainly have to entertain it. Ingles yeah. is on the downhill slide. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like 34, so – also I just Ingle strikes me as a player like just uh, for him. I, I mean, obviously he's not like a long term fix anywhere, but he's got a set of skills that if he can stay healthy, mm-hmm. his skills are going to age well in this league, I believe. And he has size to you know maybe shift down a position where he's not as dependent on athleticism. Um, certainly looks like he's got the toughness to guard up a position than what he's playing now. Um, so interesting name. I, you know, it would be cool to get an Australian on the team, you know, shout out to Adrian Bernisic, but um, we'll, we'll see what happens on that front. I, I think it's also worth mentioning um, since we last talked, you know, Daryl Morey like comes out and talks about the Ben Simmons situation. It's like, ah, no one could have expected this to go so bad. Like <laughs> after, after like you're literally like you're looking at the person, at least one of the people who are holding, you know, the gas can of the matches. Um, it's a little bizarre. So now it sounds like, you know, it was pretty adamant that the Sixers were looking for a top 25 player. Um, the, you know, reports are now saying, you know, it might just be a top 40 player, which, you know, we are maybe getting into that CJ McCollum range. Like it might finally, you know, start to make more sense. It's a deal that I think, you know, obviously works from a salary standpoint and the longer Ben Simmons is out, you know, the value wise, this could start to to come a little closer together than what we saw when these talks kind of first started. Uh, any change of thought on the Ben Simmons situation? I think it's interesting that Maury kind of publicly 
you know, soften his stance on a little bit. Um, I think his reaction's mm-hmm. hilarious. It's like, I mean, yeah. read the room, pal. But, um, I, you know, I, I think it came out the Philadelphia Inquirer today said that the Kings are now, or it might have mm-hmm. been a few days ago, I'm sorry, but they're now open to potentially taking both Harris and Simmons. And I think that there's words word on the street is that Philly's trying to package Harris in that deal. Mm-hmm. And that's just a shit ton of salary, right? But it, kind of the framework could be like Buddy Heald, Halliburton, Harrison Barnes and two first round picks, which is a pretty sizable return for a guy that has had some well-documented playoff issues as well as issues uh, playing. And so, you know, especially Tyrese Halliburton in there, he's kind of seems to have progressed a little bit, but that's still a good young piece. Heald's a sharpshooter, which you start looking and comparing to your, you know, offers there. Heald's not too far off from CJ, certainly not the, dynamic score on you know at least two levels that cj is but he can put the ball in the hoop barnes mm-hmm. be a nice fit to Embiid, and the two first round picks just like holy shit it's a lot of capital so um well the simmons situation remains to be seen i don't mm-hmm. i don't know if we'll see him up in the Pacific no but I, West I mean anytime soon. the kings are definitely an interesting suitor there i think for both teams a little more probably a little more palatable than a CJ McCollum type trade. I mean, you can at least sell on some upside to your fan base. If you trade Ben Simmons, where I think you're just kind of getting an established play. This is CJ McCollum is what CJ McCollum is at this point, which is a very good player. Like, don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, it's one of those cases where, and we see it happen all the time is we really focus on the salary next to a player's name. And sometimes we forget, you know, the, the overall skills they do bring to the table. So Mm-hmm. Um, just overall looking at the trade, you know, trade deadline, the Blazers not counting tonight's game. We're recording on Tuesday, um, are counting tonight's game. There's 10 games before the trade deadline. Um, I really think like, I still think the, the direction over these next 10 games could really dictate the type of moves the Blazers are going to pursue and how much they're going to want to rock the boat and how much they're willing to settle for, for some of these veterans in a trade. You know, if, if this team's winning, there's not really a push mm-hmm. to, you know, ship out Covington for some second round picks and matching salary or something, you know? So, and same with Nurkic. So just looking at the schedule though, it's, it's another stretch where we have two home games here for the Blazers, but then you go on another really interesting road stretch where, you know, you would hope they for sure get two wins, but if they can get another three games here, um, certainly is going to put them in a position where they are really looking to maybe even break out of that play-in area uh, or certainly cement themselves Mm -hmm. there. And so basically Minnesota-Dallas, two games uh, against teams that are just ahead of them in the standings. in the Western conference. And then you go on the road, you play Houston, Chicago, Oklahoma city, and Los Angeles. Um, again, you would hope <laughs> that they're going to win against <laughs> Houston and Oklahoma city, but <laughs> Chicago is a really interesting team. It's a team that the Blazers have kind of had their number, um, you know, going back to last year, that, you know, crazy uh, finish, uh, right. The buzzer, and then also just that Lakers team who's just flailing right now. And you would hope the Blazers can put them away. Um, Brian, what do you make of the upcoming schedule? Do you think really are we – is there should be that much focus on the next 10 games? Or do you think 
you know, the direction that Joe Cronin is going to take is already kind of set. Like he already kind of knows his marching orders headed to the deadline. I think the 10, the next 10 could certainly impact how he goes about it. I think that in, in conjunction with some of the comments that uh, Dame Willard's come out and made to Aaron Fentress, I believe the Oregonian about, you know, if it makes sense to come back this year or if not. And I think that, you know, if, if Portland's, closer to the eighth seed than they are the 12th, then they might end up reloading just and then try to get Dame back in time for the playoffs and just see what happens and kind of, you know, run, run it back on the Trailblazers team of old. So I, I do think there's a pretty huge swing here with as tightly as everybody's kind of bound up. And I think also, you know, I, I think Crono will have some decisions to make as the trade line deadline approaches with, you know, yeah. when those teams come with the second and third options. And it's going to be, I think, really hit or miss. And I certainly don't think that this journey into the trade deadline set the stone yeah. either way for yeah. this team. I, uh, I, I will say devil's advocate a little bit. There is – I know we kind of poo-pooed on the idea of this team just, like, crawling into the playoffs just to crawl into the playoffs. I, I oh, we got that. a little guest appearance by Siri here, but um, <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, um, but I, I think there is some value. I, I think there's considerable value to get a first year coach into the postseason and at least see what it's like to be a head coach in the playoffs and what, how really kind of flawless you have to be with your game planning, especially if you're a team that maybe doesn't have the same level of talent as some of these other teams, certainly at certain positions. So, you know, as much as we kind of were negative about the idea of the Blazers making the playoffs there, I think there is some real value of getting Billups into the postseason and, and seeing how he responds to it. Yeah. Not only Billups and the rest of the coaching staff, but also mm -hmm. Nas and, I mean, all the young guys, right? I, I think it's just an opportunity for them too to kind of see what that level of basketball yeah. looks like. And yeah, there's always oh, pros. There man. always is. There's Even always if it's pros. not the outcome you <laughs> want, I guess that's. I think we'll kind of leave it on that. Like this team uh, might not. This season certainly hasn't played out like basically anybody really wanted it to. Um, yep. Yeah. No. At, any it, point at no point at all. you can just really? bank that the Blazers <laughs> no. are probably doing something that you didn't really want them to do. So, <laughs> so that's where we are this season. But you know there is a lot of positive here. There's real development from some of the young guys on this team, and you know Damian Lillard's getting some much needed surgery, and it sounds like you know there's quotes out there. You know I forgot what it, he's basically saying. He forgot what it was like to play healthy. So like it could be a real boost mm -hmm. for them going into next year where he gets, you know, his legs underneath him. Yep. Steve, you know, we told our <laughs> listeners a long time ago by a long yeah. time ago in blazer and blazer year or weeks, you know, it was like three, Yep. just to embrace the chaos, man. And, and, you know, yeah, I think you know, we just need to do practice the same. what we preach, <laughs> my friend. No, no, that's right. That's right. It's unexpected. It's, it's a weird, Oh, Another yeah. weird year. Yep. I guess that's all we can really expect now is a very odd year. So um, that's all I got for this show. Brian, do you have anything before we get out of here? Kind of a shorter pod this week. Yeah, I don't, man. Uh, I'm Ooh. geared up to go to Vegas here on Thursday. So I'll be back Sunday. I'm literally taking, you know, at my age, I'm taking, oh, I'm taking another day. Monday will be yep. a self-care day. So I can hit the yeah. ground running next Tuesday. And uh, I'm really hoping to go on a 
What year oh, was that man. that we were down there? Went on that crap seater at that dog hey, shit casino. Don't speak ill of old O'Shea's. Oh, like before they redid it. That that was a quality place. I think that was probably like 2000. Oh God, 2010 maybe 2011. Yeah, yeah, we both actually right. did not plan yeah. to go there together. We just met up down there, which was kind of funny. But yeah, that was a the most epic craps run I've ever been. I think we played for multiple hours, and I, I think Same. a few of us rolled for an hour plus. I mean, they, the casino pulled out every tactic to try to cool us off as far as like switching out dealers, <laughs> uh, really didn't looking work. at the dice, making sure we were coloring up, really slowing down the action. It didn't work. It was a fun night, and I also ate like 50 7-Eleven taquitos in celebration and promptly felt terrible for the rest of my trip. So, Man, unfortunately, you know, we were out like all night. And because yep. uh, how leave. could you leave when you're a, a young college kid actually making some money? And so, you know, I, I got back oh, to the Mandalay Bay with my friend. It was like, it was like time to – or the pool was like about to open. And so I'm trying to rally the troops. Me and my other friend were like, well, you know, we'll go down there early. We'll establish a beachhead, like, right next to the pool so that when everyone wakes up, they can come down, and it'll be just a fantastic day. And then, of course, I fell asleep on my side after being out all night playing craps. And I woke up, and I was just absolutely yep. scorched on one side of my face. And so I looked like Two-Faced from Batman yep. for, like, four days. I think at one point, like – I was on the plane and like one side of my face just yeah. feeling it was really well, you know, looks. there's a price to pay when you're winning in crafts at the old O'Shea's. That's what they always say, baby. So have fun of it. If you get anything out of that podcast, that's where where that's what it is, that's, right? That's the message of pod the podcast, you know. So if you're a sunscreen manufacturer, you're looking for a sponsor, two people who really believe in it, you know, come come to the church of Roy. But anyway, that's all we got this week. Thank you, everybody. Um Brian, have a safe trip to Vegas, and we will talk again next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Spotify Greenroom every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.